Hello and welcome to the Piazza Lecture Series. My name is Rick Seiger and I lead university engagement here at Piazza. We are incredibly grateful for all of you taking time from your busy schedules to join today. And I know our discussion will be a rich one over the next 30 minutes. You know, we often hear the question from professors, does Piazza work well in small courses? And especially those that are discussion-based. Today's discussion will focus on using Piazza in just that way, in small discussion-based courses. And we're fortunate to have with us some of the world's leading experts on the topic. For the first time in the Piazza Lecture Series, we have two featured speakers today. The first is Dr. Birgitta Lindstrom, Associate Professor of Computer Science and Director of PhD Education in Informatics at the University of Huerta in Sweden. Professor Lindstrom has 20 years of teaching experience from courses in computer science and software engineering and has been head of subject for computer science, coordinating study programs in computer science, informatics, and web development. In 2012, Professor Lindstrom got the Student's Best Teacher Award at the School of Humanities and Informatics. We are also joined by Professor Jeff Offutt, Professor of Software Engineering at George Mason University. Professor Offutt has published more than 180 research papers, leads the Masters of Science in Software Engineering program at George Mason, and teaches software engineering courses at all levels. And just this year, Professor Offutt won the Outstanding Faculty Award from the State Council of Higher Education in all of Virginia. Congratulations, Professor, on this outstanding honor. We are also joined by two distinguished professors who have generously agreed to contribute to today's discussion. Professor Toff from Northwestern University and Professor Walther from the University of Southern California. We are most grateful to both of you for taking the time to contribute to today's discussion. With that, Professor Offutt and Professor Lindstrom, the floor is yours. Thanks, Rick. Uh, that's great. Thanks, Caitlin and Lisa at Piazza for help putting this together. And of course, thanks, Pooja, for creating this wonderful educational environment. This is Jeff Offutt. And this is Birgitta. So we're going to tell you about our course that we that we are co-teaching at different universities right now uh, and talk about what's special, what we needed, and just the concept of how can this work. And then we'll talk about what's happened over the past three times we've taught it like this. And then we will uh, close by talking about some of the things we've learned and how this kind of how our techniques can be adapted to something that you might teach. And of course, hopefully the most interesting part will be a question and answer session. So to uh, introduce the course, <clears throat> we are teaching PhD students or research students uh, how to do experimentation. And instead of a vertical uh, look at a course or a topic where we go in depth on something, we view this as a horizontal look where we look at the, lots of different topics in computing, but all with the focus on how, how different solutions to problems are validated empirically. And we're trying to teach the students a couple of things, uh, primarily how to evaluate and then how to design and carry out their own experiments. And a major component of that is we have a research question and then we need an empirical process that will answer that question without a lot of bias. And, there are some of the things that come into play. So the course structure has three parts. Uh, we start the course uh, by talking about some general experimental concepts and 
make some of those specific to what happens in computing. Then we spend the bulk of the course uh, discussing published peer-reviewed papers that have major experimental components. Uh, and then the students have have a long have a semester long project where they propose an experiment, they design the experiment, they carry out the experiment, gather data, write up the results, and then in the, at the end of the semester they pr they uh, make presentations similar to how we do things in a conference. So this is this course has actually existed quite a while. Uh, I taught this course for several times in the 90s and the 2000s in a traditional sort of format for uh, many of our students are part-time. So classes usually meet in the late afternoon in the classroom where we have presentations and discussions about the classes. And it was a popular class. Yeah, and then I asked Jeff a question. Can you come to Shevda and teach this course? And uh, of course he said no, but uh, maybe we could do it online. And so we did. And now this course has some twists. It's purely discussion-based. It's driven by all the ongoing discussions in Piazza. And it's not just online, it's asynchronous. So we schedule weeks for activities rather than hours. And we also merge the students from multiple university into one single class. And of course, this isn't uh, easy. It, it, um, there, are, there were some challenges to do this. Uh, the first challenges had to do with rules and regulations. Who can be instructor of record for a joint course in both uh, Josh Mason and at a university in Sweden? And which grading system should we use? Where should the students enroll? Students in Sweden don't pay for tuition. So that's there are also some issues of how we actually deliver the course, right? Because when we have two universities separated by different time zones, that's that's a challenge. And then one of the first things we realized is that students in Sweden could not sign up to the learning platform that George Mason uses and vice versa. So how can we actually have them shared discussions? And then whatever learning platform we wind up using, how can we how can we use that effectively? Well, we were struggling with these issues during the spring and summer of 2011. And then I got a spam email. Actually, Pooja uh, spammed my department chair who re-spammed it to me. And on the way to reaching for the delete button, I had this thought and I paused and I thought, maybe this funny software they're telling us about might actually help me. So I decided to test drive it with the course in the fall. And I found out very quickly, it's, it's a neutral platform, independent piece of software that has really high usability. And that's something I actually teach at the university. So usability is something I recognize and something that is really important to me. So it was, so I realized immediately, yes, this can help solve many of our problems. So the way we use it now is we have recorded lectures for that first part of the, of the, of the course where we post them on Piazza Students view them through Piazza, their voice over PowerPoint, and then they ask, answer some simple questions. Instead of having discussions in the classroom, where at the end of the day, students would come, somebody would make a short presentation of about a paper, and then the rest of the class would discuss that paper. 
We do that on Piazza asynchronously with written, written summaries and discussions. And then the discussions continue throughout the week instead of the class period. Uh, and we handle the time zone just by deciding end of the day in Virginia is pretty close to midnight Sweden, so those are our deadlines. The issue with, with me being an instructor, I was, I'm not allowed to be an instructor at two different universities at the same time. The assumption being that, well, you can only be in one university at a time. Uh, so I explained to our provost what we wanted to do, and he was very happy, said, that sounds wonderful, go for it. So I got special permission for initial offering in the spring of 2012. And then we just had students enroll at their own university, so we could avoid the tuition problem and the great different grading systems problems. Now, I should say, both Brigitte and I were somewhat dubious about online education. And I had tried several different kinds of techniques, and I had some issues with how well it worked. But my goal here was just sort of a low bar. Maintain the quality of education in this course while we solve these other problems of being of doing this across two continents. So let's talk about our outcomes. What actually happened? Well, just some details of how we did things. Part one of the course was general experimentation. Uh, we asked students to respond to questions on recorded lectures, sort of lightweight questions, just to make sure they paid attention. And then we have some general research papers at the beginning, and they write short summaries, a few paragraphs about those. And the second part focuses on regular research papers with experiments. And for each paper, we have two students to write critical summaries for the paper. And then one student writes a dissent, disagreeing with these summaries. And these summaries are posted on Monday, so the dissents were posted on Tuesday. And then all students are supposed to be discussing uh, the summaries, the papers, and the dissents throughout the week. And we discuss two papers like this per week throughout the semester. So for the third part of the course, the projects, um, that actually intersperses throughout the semester, as it turns out. So one of the first things they do is they share an experimental design. And in the old days, they would come to class, they would spend five minutes telling the class about the experimental design, and then I would spend five minutes giving them suggestions, feedback, comments, and the rest of the class would join in if they had anything to offer. So here they posted on Piazza, and we give them feedback uh, through, the, through the notes and responses features, and their classmates as well. Then late in the semester, they share paper drafts, and their idea is also to teach them a little bit about reviewing papers. So we have two students plus at least one instructor will give extensive feedback. Uh, and then at the end, we actually come together into, into a room and have a conference style presentations face to face. Uh, and there are, of course, some differences and, and many things that we have seen uh, thanks to the course design um, that are very beneficial. And if we compare the synchronous in person versus the synchronous online, we can see that in a traditional class, the students have to participate even if they are tired and sometimes also unprepared. Whereas in the asynchronous class, they get to choose when they participate. It doesn't have to be locked into that time. It can be whenever they feel mentally ready for that. And students and teachers have to come up with questions and answers on the spot in a classroom. 
and it's really hard to stay focused for long. Whereas in the asynchronous version, we allow for reflection. Students can, can read what, what a, a previous student wrote, go away thinking about it, and come back later and actually ask some more sensible questions or give some deeper advice, as well as the instructors. We have the same reflective time. Yeah, and in a traditional class, just as Jeff pointed out before, teachers have quite limited time to give feedback. And since you are going to uh, listen to several presentations and give feedback to everyone, it becomes really hard to stay sharp and give good feedback to everyone because you, your brain simply gets tired after a while. Whereas the asynchronous class, it, it, I think of it as freeing us from the tyranny of the clock. Instead of, the, I think it was the experimental designs that really hit me because in the classroom when we'd done that, by the time the eighth or ninth or 10th student presented the experiment, honestly, my brain was just mush and I was working very hard to flip back and forth between different topics and give sensible advice. And late in the, late in the meeting, the students didn't get very good advice. Whereas here, when I'm tired, I get up and I leave and I come back later when I'm, when I'm more uh, awake. And so the discussions, they continue for days and sometimes even weeks. Yeah, and we also want to reward uh, students that are active and participating during classroom discussions, but it's really hard to keep track on who's saying what during classroom discussions. I cannot do that. Whereas online, they're there, they're recorded, and we can count them anytime we want, and, we, and everybody in the class can see who's contributing what. So let's look at sort of tie those together with some of the benefits that we've that we found. So the, the first few are, are really true of the face-to-face -face version of the class as well. And this is something that's very important to me as uh, some, to teach research, and in fact, all of my teaching, that the, this course encourages people to be creative in how they solve problems, and it encourages everybody to think differently, so divergent thinking. We also uh, try to get a lot of input from, uh, from classmates on the student. And, and these are often, these are PhD students who have their own knowledge base and their own experience. And they're often smarter than their instructors. So they have, they're often able to help their peers even more than we can. And then the in-person in -person presentations at the end, we're actually trying to prepare students so when they go to a conference to make a presentation the first time, it's not the first time they've ever done that. It's just a different environment for something they've already done. And then there are benefits from the online asynchronous nature of this course. The written descents require students to read papers and the summaries very carefully. And this leads to more thoughtful reflections. And the students and teachers have time to reflect, which allows for deeper and more interesting discussions. And since the time is unlimited, these discussions can go on for weeks and nobody can dominate a discussion as is often the case in a classroom. We also found that some students in the classroom will be very quiet because it's, it's very hard for some people to speak up in a group setting. Whereas online, many of these students will be very vocal, if you will. Uh, and they have sometimes have a lot to contribute that you don't get in the classroom. The fact that we have more time also led to deeper comments from everybody and more meaningful comments. And I know that was true of the comments I gave as well as from other students. 
And another thing that students can do is they can sort of gauge their participation by seeing what other students are doing. And if they realize that other students are engaging a lot more than they are, maybe they want to do a little bit more. And it's really clear because it's right there on, on Piazza for everybody to see. So these actually lead to some, some results that we can quantify and qualify so that we, we can actually see pretty clearly. So the, the first, I think the most important thing we notice is that the discussions online, and this is because of the time to reflect and because of the, the lack of being tired, that the discussions are deeper and they, they get at more issues, which gives them more chance to learn. Yeah, we can also see that the projects are better. We can see that almost twice as many papers are published since we started the collaboration in Piazza. At, at Mason, we have we have students to give evaluations at the end of the semester, and uh, they're more positive since we moved this online. And it's also much more rewarding for me as a teacher because the discussions are interesting and I learn more and I don't have to stress. I can do the work when I want to do it. And especially, I sometimes just get lazy and Brigitte's there to pick up the slack for me. Thank you, Edita. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's think about how somebody else could use this. So these are things we've learned and we'll kind of try to generalize this just a bit. Uh, so a couple of things that could you could use maybe to adapt to a course that you teach. Uh, we have we have this general model. So if you look at this as reading, summaries, dissents, and discussion, it's really flexible and it can be used in others in scientific uh, courses in any kind of research courses or in literature discussion courses or uh, any kind of humanities. Uh, some I, I have the thought that in some courses, um, it might be helpful to have specific assignments or specific questions for some questions, some papers that that we have a structure we ask students to follow, but that might be something that would change for for another course. There are also just some sort of tactics we've developed. So the first thing is uh, we ask students to bid on papers at the beginning of the semester. So we tell them all all the readings, and we say please pick three or four papers that you would like to summarize. And we try to satisfy uh, their, their requests. Of course, we can't do it uh, exactly, but, but that means they're reading and summarizing papers that, that they're most interested in. And probably their summaries are, are better. It also helps, we found, to uh, be very clear about weekly expectations. So to, at the beginning of every week, we try to tell the students what we're doing this week and, and what we expect from them. Um, and we found, especially the second time we did this online, I think we were less engaged and the course wasn't as good. So the instructors have to stay engaged and focus in on the course regularly. And we actually meet once a week this semester, which which has helped quite a bit. Uh, we also, we, we want to help the students learn how to evaluate papers better, but we start with really positive reinforcement, especially the students who are who agreed to go first in the semester because that's pretty scary. And then as the semester continues, we give more constructive criticism so that the trust you need to build in a student to be able to give cri constructive criticism is actually difficult and it's much easier when you see the student on a regular basis, so it's harder online. But the positive reinforcement and then slowly 
giving more suggestions for what they can do better, that actually helps develop that trust. The other thing we can do is we can see clearly who's not active and we send them emails. Just reach out. What's Is there something going on? Uh, are you having trouble this week or is it something broader? And sometimes that, that can help a lot. And then there's some things that require high bandwidth, especially about projects. So we have office hours where we talk uh, either in person or on Skype. Uh, so, the so we can have this higher bandwidth con conversation. A couple of things we found about Piazza. Uh, we almost never use the questions. We, for each paper, we have a specific note and then all the, the summaries, the dissents, and all the discussions are part of our responses to those notes. And having one note per paper actually makes it much easier to find things. Uh, and we'll also, I've also found that we get a lot of responses and we want those. So we set the we set the filter on Piazza so we don't get an email every time somebody responds to the to, to one of the points. Yeah, we use notes to set the weekly expectations. So this is an example of a note that we post for each paper to discuss. And normally we would also point to the paper and state who is supposed to write the summaries and the sounds. As you can see, there are instructions and deadlines for the summaries and the sound. But there's also an explicit expectation set that everyone should join in to the following discussion. So the last thing to, that I want to do is just give some tips that we found that we've developed for sort of general classes, not specifically just small discussion-based courses. Uh, I, I, in every class I teach, I have part of the grade component is, is participation. And part of that can be earned online. So I, I use Piazza. And I want people to try to answer questions even if they're not sure of the answer. So I give a point for a wrong answer, two points for the right answer, but I encourage people like that to try to answer even if they're not sure. We also found that the names really matter on the custom folder. So I try to make the names meaningful so that the students know have a better idea of where to put their comments. And that encourages discussions beyond just the ones that I require that I start. And it helps a lot. I tell students at the beginning, if you want to post something that doesn't fit in the folder, just tell me and I'll create that folder for you. I've also, I've actually seen my, some of my colleagues do this wrong. So not manage their pin notes very carefully. So I think pin items should fall in one of three categories. And uh, for example, at the beginning of the semester, I ask students to post introductions with pictures so I can see who they are and, and check back through the semester. Uh, this is especially useful in a fairly large class. Uh, and I, I pin that, I pin that note. That also helps them as well, but that's mainly for me. Uh, some are only relevant for a period of time, like a, a clarification on an assignment. It's very important to unpin those because if they stay up in the pin section, then they make the pinned section of, 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 of the course very difficult to follow. And then some things are urgent and they need to be pinned, but again, for a short term, for a short time. I also, just because I'm lazy, I save notes and emails that I used one semester in my little directory for the next time I teach the course. That way I don't have to re recreate all these things. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to a question and answer session. Rick? Thank you so much, Jeff and Brigida, for that terrific presentation. Um, let's move to the Q&A. Uh, Professor Tavin, Professor Walter, please go ahead and raise your hand if you want to 
add additional context to the discussion, ask any questions, um, we are standing by. Professor Walther, let's uh, let's go to you. Uh, you are unmuted, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna also say great presentation. Um, I'd be interested, is there any, are we, can we share a screen or not? Cause I'd be interested just to see the Piazza, like an overview of the Piazza page that they're using with the pins and the folders for the research discussions. So let me, let me add one thing, the, the, the slide a couple minutes ago where we had the address class that, that we need to talk through. That's actually from a posting that we post every week for every paper. So we have one for each paper. So that's, that's the beginning of the note. And then the summaries, the dissents, and the discussions are responses to that note. Uh, so, so that's at least one thing. That's good. I'm just such a visual person that I love seeing things. So um, even having a screenshot that is added to the end, I think might be helpful for other people as they're looking at things. That's a great suggestion. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, Professor Walter, let us um, let us take the action and get back to you on that. Love to love to find a way to make that work. Um, Completely understand, and it just it sounds like a neat way of doing things for this kind of thing. And so, just having an overall visual, um, like love it. But <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Professor Toff. Is there anything you wanted to add, or any question you want to ask? You're unmuted as well. No pressure. Hi. Uh, so, I mean, that was there were definitely some helpful things in there for me, but I don't know that I have any particular questions. Um, most of so I was interested in this because I am teaching some you know small classes, but they're mostly more programming oriented than like research paper oriented. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, you know for me questions are the main thing that I want to use Java for. I think still. You know, let me say something because I found uh, I'm teaching a class right now that has it's not extent specifically programming, but it's. Uh, but it includes some programming. It's software testing. We do a lot of test automation. Yeah. Uh, so mm -hmm. I found that students are reluctant to post any code at all in their questions. Uh -huh. And I asked what's going on. And they were told in introductory classes, you can never post code or you're cheating. And I mm -hmm. had to say, no, 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 no. In my class, we want collaboration. We want you to learn from each other. We want you to help each other. Post the code. If you go too far and give the essential part of the of the solution, maybe I'll step in and I'll delete that, but mm -hmm. go ahead and post the code. And as soon as I gave them permission to that, th the number of questions started multiplying and, and the number of responses and particularly I had assignments where there are lots of different ways to solve some problems and yeah. everybody was helping each other and learning a lot more from each other. Uh, and, and that's a, and there's a lot of discussion about that. So mm -hmm. people yeah, that sounds good. So are they not able to post things so that only you can see it? They are, yes. They're not sure whether they're posting something that they're allowed to show everyone. They'll do that. And then if I've decided it's okay for everyone to see, then I change it to public. I've, I have done that as well. I'm a little bit reluctant just in case maybe they don't want. Well, I mean, I do like look at it carefully first, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've also, we also allow anonymous because I think that's very important that people be able to ask questions anonymously. Yeah. Uh, some people, I mean, I was like that as a student. I thought if I asked a question, that meant I didn't know anything, so the professor would think I'm stupid. And yeah. <laughs> it was much later I realized, oh, I'm not supposed to know everything as a student. Yep. 
Terrific. Thanks very much. Um, I actually had a question too um, that I wanted to ask. I know, you know, Jeff, in particular, you use Piazza in large classes and small classes at George Mason. Can you just talk about how the platform sort of offers you that flexibility to toggle between, you know, what are really very different kinds of courses, even within the same subject matter on Piazza? Sure, I can try. I should I should start off by saying that uh, when I say large, I think the largest course I've taught is 72 uh, students. And I know there are people who teach students uh, classes with hundreds of students. And uh, thank goodness I've, I've not been had to deal with that before. That just sounds very hard. Um, I don't know if there's much difference with with Piazza. So the introductions really help a lot. And so at the beginning of the semester, I post my own introduction just say something about myself. And I try to find a funny picture of when I was a college student. Uh, and any picture I find when I was a college student looks funny today. Uh, and then I ask every student to post uh, a small picture and uh, just something about themselves, like where they're, we're in a very diverse area. So we have a lot of people from not just US, but a lot of different countries. And so that's, that's always an interesting question that, that can help people get to know each other. And that makes people more comfortable because they can look up their classmates' faces and just think, oh yeah, this guy's this this guy's parents are from Egypt. That's that that's kind of interesting. Uh, I I try to encourage questions a lot, and sometimes uh, that's just by the way I respond. But if things are moving well, I try to I try to back off and let them control. I want them to feel like they have a party, and every now and again the professor drops in. I don't want them to feel like they're invited to the professor's house for a party because nobody's comfortable when that happens. And that's that attitude just sort of guides me to do a lot of things with the way I respond to students and the way I respond to questions. And that's, that's for example, where I got the idea of having them create their own folders so that they can create new things. I also give credit. I mean, I, as I said, I give participation credit in classes. And if someone posts something that's sort of quasi-related, a little bit off subject, like in a software testing class, they post something about uh, about the, the Boeing problems. Uh, that's related to the subject and sort of goes on a little bit from what we're doing. And I think that's great participation and I always try to encourage that as well. I do not, by the way, measure my TAs by how fast they answer questions. I've known people that, I know people do that and I've heard a a lot of TAs and young faculty members who had been TAs complain about that. That puts a lot of pressure on them to jump on every hour to try to answer questions. Uh, I just say, I want every question, some response within 24 hours. And I tell my TAs, if you can't answer, you're not sure, make sure you alert me, send me a text message or, or, or something. But I, I don't measure them by whether they answer in 10 minutes or two minutes or, or an hour. Terrific. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm not seeing any other hands here. So um, I just want to close by saying thank you all again so much for your time. Um, this was an incredibly engaging conversation. Um, we will also plan to follow up um, with you, Professor Welter, and with others just with an additional thank you as well. And with that, uh, today's session is concluded. Thank you again.